0: Hello, this is Diksha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Tuesday, the 31st of August. India recorded over 30,000 new cases of COVID-19 in the last 24 hours, taking the total tally to 3.27 crore. The death toll increased by 350 and the total fatality count stands at 4.38 lakh. All these figures, however, have widely been reported to be undercounts. The Karnataka government today announced that it is compulsory to complete one week of institutional quarantine for all passengers arriving in the state from Kerala owing to Kerala's high positivity rate of COVID-19. The Uddhav Thakri-led Maharashtra government yesterday prohibited all public gatherings for today's Dahi Handi festival amid a jump in COVID-19 cases in the state. Meanwhile, according to the Hindu, the Maharashtra unit of the Bharatiya Janata Party organized a protest against the Thakere government for not allowing temples in the state to reopen. Reportedly breaking COVID norms, the protest took place in the districts of Ahmednagar, Pune, Mumbai, Aurangabad, Nasik, Nagpur and Solapur. Globally, COVID-19 has infected more than 217 million people and led to over 4.5 million deaths so far. The United States completed the final withdrawal of its troops from Afghanistan on Monday, which is now under the control of Taliban forces. We will give you more updates on this later in the podcast, but before that, I'd like to tell you how a section of the media here at home is milking the crisis in Afghanistan to flare up communal sentiments. On August twenty-six. News anchor Aman Chopra invoked the Taliban to spend his 45-minute show, which was 44 minutes too long, to bash Muslims and the medieval Mughal emperors and extol Hindu supremacism. The anchor proclaimed, and I quote, Mughals weren't Muslims. Why do some Indian Muslims glorify the barbaric Mughals? The ancestors of all Indians were Hindus, unquote. The show was full of distorted history. Communal dog whistling and the usual dose of bigotry. And this isn't the worst of what we saw on Chopra's show. To know more, read my report on newslaundry.com titled Talibani Mughals The Marvels of Aman Chopra's Bigoted Mind. Here at Newslaundry, our reporters are doing their best to bring you stories about the lives of Afghan refugees in India and abroad. You can find these reports on newslaundry.com filed under the section Afghanistan Crisis. It now depends on you, the kind of coverage you prefer and want to spend your time on. If it is factual, accurate and in-depth reportage that you choose, go to newslaundry.com today and power our work by hitting that red subscribe button on the top right corner. We can only continue to do this kind of work with your support as we are a 100% ad-free, subscriber-funded news platform. Chief Justice of India N.V. Ramana today administered the oath of office to nine new judges of the Supreme Court. This was the first time in the Supreme Court's history that nine judges took oaths at the same time. It was also the first time the Supreme Court allowed a live telecast of the ceremony, the Hindu reported. Usually, cameras are not allowed to cover the swearing-in of judges to the Supreme Court as the event is held in the Chief Justice of India's courtroom. The new judges, which includes three women, are Justice A.S. Oka, Justice Vikram Nath, Justice J.K. Maheshwari, Justice Hima Kohli, Justice B.V. Nagaratna, Justice C.T. Ravikumar, Justice M.M. Sundresh, Justice Bela Trivedi, and Senior Advocate P.S. Narsima. The swearing-in ceremony took place in the auditorium of the Apex Court's Additional Building Complex. The Supreme Court now has a strength of 33 as against a sanctioned strength of 34 judges. The appointments to the Supreme Court were the first since September 2019. Nearly 40 people, including 32 children, have died so far in Uttar Pradesh's Firozabad city due to dengue and an unidentified viral disease. According to the Hindu's report, Principal and Dean of the Autonomous State Medical Hospital, Dr. Sangeeta Aneja, said that common symptoms of the disease include diarrhea, vomiting and high fever, and that the cases rose suddenly in the last five days and 90% of the affected are children. She further added, and I quote, Many of them have tested positive for dengue, but there are others who have shown a drop in platelets but have not tested for the viral disease spread by Aedes mosquito, unquote. Chief Minister Adityanath said that the first case was reported on August 18. However, due to lack of awareness at the local level, the chief minister said that the patients were admitted to private hospitals and clinics. On Sunday, Manish Asija, a Bharatiya Janata Party MLA from Firozabad, had alleged that more than 40 children had died from dengue in the area in the previous week. He had accused the Uttar Pradesh Health Department and local authorities of being responsible for the tragedy. However, Uttar Pradesh Health Minister Jair Pratap Singh contradicted this, claiming that no such reports of deaths had been received by the state administration. In another update from UP, Adityanath yesterday directed the state government officials to prohibit the sale of liquor and meat in Mathura. He urged those involved in wine and meat trades to sell milk instead in order to restore the glory of the city, which is the birthplace of Hindu deity Krishna. The chief minister, however, did not specify when this ban would come into effect. The Assam State Disaster Management Committee yesterday notified that over 3.63 lakh residents have been adversely affected in 21 districts due to heavy floods. The disaster management body said that one person died in Barpeta and one in Morigaon district. Lakhimpur was the worst affected district where 1.30 lakh residents, including 14,000 children, were temporarily displaced. Crops on 30,333 hectares of land were also destroyed in the floods. The Central Water Commission in its report said that the Brahmaputra River was still flowing in above normal to severe flood situations along with its tributaries in Sonitpur, Jorat, Kamrup, Dibrugar, Golpara and Dubri districts. According to the Hindu, the State Forest Authority stated that two one horned rhino habitats in Kaziranga National Park and Pobitora Wildlife Sanctuary have been largely submerged. Kaziranga Director P. Sivakumar mentioned that approximately 70% of the park was inundated and 125 of the 233 anti poaching camps have been submerged, adding, however, that the water level has been falling in the last few hours. The rescue operations in the region are still underway. Every year, like clockwork, the state of Assam drowns in the raging Brahmaputra. And every year, the images of this calamity flood the Indian media. The response to the disaster is reduced to a statistical exercise, the tabulation of lives and livelihoods lost, crops and wildlife consumed. But the stories of ordinary people who bear the brunt are rarely told or, when told, they are forgotten as soon as the news cycle moves on. And despite the floods being an annual calamity, the preparedness on the part of the authorities is nowhere close to the requirement. Last year, News Laundry did a five-part series of ground reports from Assam and Bengal to get a sense of how the lives of common folk were upturned by the annual floods and cyclone Amphan. You can find these extensive ground reports by Supriti David and Shonak Ghosh, filed under the NL Sena section of newslaundry.com. And while you're there, you can also contribute to our latest NL Sena project on the impact of heavy floods in Maharashtra this year, which claimed the lives of over 200 people. Seven people, including the son and wife of DMK Hosur MLA, Prakash Vai, died in Bengaluru's Koramangala today after the car in which they were travelling rammed into a building. The accident reportedly took place between 1am and 2am. According to Scroll.in, six of the passengers died on the spot while another person succumbed to the injuries on the way to a hospital. The police cordoned off the area and are looking into the cause of the accident. The United States concluded its troop withdrawal from Afghanistan on Monday. US President Joe Biden had set a deadline of August 31 for soldiers to leave the country. The US Department of Defence stated on Monday that Major General Chris Donaway was the final American soldier to leave Kabul. According to news agency AFP, the Taliban cheered the departure with celebratory gunfire early Tuesday, calling the occasion a watershed moment. In a statement confirming the end of the US mission, Biden commended the American soldiers for their service and praised the execution of the country's biggest airlift. The president stated that he will address the nation on Tuesday. Meanwhile, the United Nations Security Council adopted a resolution earlier on Monday requiring the Taliban to honour their commitment to let people freely leave Afghanistan. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram